the greatest of all Christians who wrote half of the books of the New Testament, visited the city of Athens. And the record is in the 17th chapter of Acts, the 22nd verse. Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill, and he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Now, it may be a surprise to many of you. But the word religion is not found in any of the 39 books of the Old Testament. There are three different words translated religion or religious in the New Testament. But no one was ever more religious than these Athenians. And here he says they are superstitious. We have some people in this country that do not know the difference between superstition, tradition, and uh, the Bible truth concerning eternal life. But they were superstitious. I passed by and beheld your devotion. Now they were devout people, religious. I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Now there are many altars they had all over. And they had many different gods, but they weren't satisfied. So they erected one to the great unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is God worshipped with men's hands. As though God needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. He hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. He hath determined the time before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though God be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, or silver, or stone, graven by art and man's device. Now the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because God hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. And he hath given us assurance, assurance unto all men, and in that he raised that man from the dead. When they heard of the resurrection of the dead, 
Some mocked. Others said, we shall hear thee again. However, certain men believed. They heard of the resurrection of the dead, that Christ had been raised from the dead, and that others would be raised from the dead. Some mocked, some procrastinated, and some believed. What are you going to do about it this morning? Do you mock at the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of Christ? You give mental assent to it, but you haven't done anything about it in your heart? The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe down in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. No matter how moral, upright, or religious you may be, philanthropic, benevolent, devout, sincere, conscientious. There are two things that you must believe, fundamentally, if you're going to be saved. You have to believe in the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have to believe in his bodily resurrection. And you have to do something besides give mental assent to these historical facts. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ, and he hath given us assurance in that he hath raised him from the dead. And I want you to get a picture of him raised from the dead. More than 50 years after he was raised from the dead, he visited John on the Isle of Patmos. And John said, I turned, in the first chapter, the 12th verse, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And he said, I saw like one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, girded about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. How would you like to meet that man today? How would you like to see him? Well, as sure as you're in this auditorium, you're going to have dealings with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's inescapable. You'll either have to meet him here in this day of grace as a Savior, or you'll have to meet him someday as a judge. If you meet him as a Savior, he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He made peace through the blood of his cross. If you meet him as a judge, he will say, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You say, Well, I don't believe in that. Well, I'll tell you, there's one time you will believe it. That's less than one minute after you get there. What you say you believe and do not believe doesn't alter God's infallible truth, but it may alter your eternal destiny. Notice what he said. He said that this man, whose eyes were as a flame of fire, 
had feet like fine brass. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. No wonder. What are you going to do when you fall at his feet? And he said, he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of Hades and of death. Now notice he had two keys. He had the keys of Hades and of death. In the closing verses of the 20th of Revelation, we read that Hades and death will be cast into the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. But here's one who can save you from such a judgment. He has the key. Now, this is not the first time that John saw him after he was raised from the dead. We're told in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians that 500 Christians saw Jesus Christ at one time after he was raised from the dead. He showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. Peter said after Christ was raised from the dead, he was discouraged. He said, I go fishing. They said, all right, they'll go with you. And when they were out fishing and caught nothing, the Lord came and told them how to, how to catch the fish. So they caught it and came into the shore, and there were the coals of fire. And they sat down and had a meal with the resurrected Christ. He said, come and dine. And after that, uh, he said to Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Oh, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love thee. Well, he took a girdle and put it around Simon. Simon, when you were a young man, you went whether you would. But when you shall become an old man, you'll be led whither you would not go, signifying what death. Peter would die as a martyr for Christ. Peter turned around and he said to John, concerning John, what about this man? And the Lord said, that's none of your business. I'll take care of John, but I'm talking to you now. If I will let John tarry till I come, what is thou to thee? That to thee. Follow me. And the saying went abroad that John would never die. But the Lord had already told John's mother in the 20th chapter of Matthew that he would die, and he too would be a martyr for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when the Lord appeared to the eleven, he upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe when the two women said the sepulcher was empty. I want you to see, my dear friends, there was no collusion. There was no conspiracy, there was no agreement, no false witnesses. Not one of the twelve apostles believed the report that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. We speak of Daring Thomas, 
Thomas wasn't there with the other ten. And he said, if I can't take my finger and put it into his hand and my hand into his side, I will not believe. And just one week later, Christ came in the midst and Thomas was there. He said, come on, Thomas. Put your finger into my hand and your hand where that spear went into my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Now Thomas knew the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw him before he was crucified and raised from the dead. Thomas didn't say he was the best man that ever trod the globe, the fairest flower of humanity and the master product of evolution or the best man that ever lived. He said, my Lord and my God, and you'll never be saved until you say that. You can talk about the ethics of Jesus and the golden rule and try to do this and the other thing and give to every uh, worthy cause, but you'll never get into heaven that way. There's only one way in this Bible to be saved. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. When they went to take him and take him to the cross, one of his disciples took a sword and cut off the ear of a man that was trying to get him. And the Lord got down and got that ear and put it back. And he didn't do any batch either. It was a perfect job. You could have never found a scar there after he put that ear back. He said, put up your sword. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? For this cause came I unto this hour. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw him into me, signifying what death he should die. He was delivered according to the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. He says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it up again. Destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And so after the Lord Jesus Christ died, very early that first day that we call Easter, the women went there and they found the sepulcher empty. They said to the man, they've taken away my Lord and I know not where they've laid him. And then the Lord Jesus Christ appeared and some of them said he's a spirit. He said, a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. Touch me! In the Bible, we're told that he became the first fruits of them that slept. Now, how many people have slept? We're told that 21 billion people have lived since Adam left the Garden of Eden. 2 billion, 400 million are now living. 55,000 of them are dying every 24 hours. We had one of our dear men here, next to one other man, the man who's been with us longer as an elder and officer of the church, apparently in good health in the morning, 
just a few days ago, when I came into the entrance there at the vestibule, there he was, unconscious on the floor. And he never regained consciousness. But he was really, he had already passed out of death into life. And the only way that anyone can pass out of death into life. Now, if you and I would forget for a little while the word religion, there is not one single statement in the Bible about the Christian religion. Oh, how much tradition and superstition and imagination we have instead of going to the book to find out what the Bible says. Let me say what I've said a thousand times, and I expect to say ten thousand times if I live. And I hope that every one of you will get it in your hearts and minds. With respect to salvation, every adult in this audience and every adult in America, Africa, Asia, and the islands of the sea, every adult on this earth is either a dead sinner or a living saint. And I want to tell you that no dead sinner ever becomes a living saint by what the dead sinner does for God, but by what God does for the man. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Until God works upon you by the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation, God will not reward or recognize one single good thing that you do. God will never accept your building until you have the foundation. Another foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Paul says, if righteousness come by religion, Christ died for nothing. The most religious people that ever lived on this earth, the law keepers, the Sabbath keepers, they're the people that nailed Jesus Christ, had him nailed to the cross when a heathen wanted to let him go. That's what religion did for Christ. That's what religion's doing for him today. It's not religion that you need. And you need something more than a moral reformation. You need a spiritual divine transformation. Jesus Christ said the hour is coming and now is. April the 1st, 1956, right in this auditorium, just the same. He says the time is coming, the hour, and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that here shall live. He wasn't talking about people in the cemetery. He was talking about people in the synagogue. He was talking about people that were alive in the Holy Land. They lived in the Holy Land, but they were unholy. The hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. Are you dead or are you alive? I didn't ask if you're moral, religious, benevolent sincere, you ought to be all of that. And the person who ought to be more sincere, more conscientious, more honorable, philanthropic, benevolent, is the Christian. But no one is ever going to heaven because of what he or she does. I was saved in November 1899. And since that time, I've been many years in the ministry, 17 years in business, over 31 years over the radio, over 32 years here and pastor of another church. 
I've had the joy of seeing hundreds and thousands of people saved. And much have I done to serve the Lord. But all that I've ever done or ever will do will not have that much to do with my going to heaven. I'm going to heaven because Jesus Christ died on that cross and because we have an Easter. If he hadn't been raised from the dead, Christianity would have died out in one generation. And my dear friends, this is not a matter for an Easter parade. This is a matter for your heart, something that's vital. There's a man at God's right hand, and that man is the man that created the heavens and the earth. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the form of God. Therefore he thought it not a thing to be grasped after to be on the equality with God. He made himself of no reputation. He came into this world to be the man of sorrows acquainted with grief. They hated him without a cause. And they murdered him. They killed the Prince of Life. They nailed him to the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what to do. Then and there the Son of God put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And he was raised from the dead. Have you ever read the story of Lazarus, who was dead four days? And Mary and Martha said the same thing when the Lord came said, if you'd been here, our brother would not have died. And Christ said, your brother's going to rise again. Oh, they said, yes, we believe he'll rise at the resurrection. And let me say this to you. Paul was a Jew before he was a Christian. And as a Jew, he stood before the Roman ruler and he said, all the Jews who believe the Bible believe there'll be a resurrection both of the just and the unjust. This is not only a Christian doctrine, this is a Hebrew doctrine, this is a Jewish doctrine. This is all through the Bible. And even before there were any Jews, there was a man by the name of Job who said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. He answered his own question, if a man dies, shall he live again? To think of having a Christianity without a bodily resurrection, to have a Christianity without the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just think of it. 55,000 people dying every 24 hours and 75,000 people being born every 24 hours. 125 people die every hour in the United States. About 160 are born every hour in the United States. This is a dying world. Don't you think there's going to be an end to this epidemic of death? I've been giving away a book over the radio, we've had uh, letters from 20 different states for the book. We shall not all die. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the same Jesus Christ that died on that cross, who's now the living man at God's right hand, he's coming. And the dead in Christ shall be raised first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with him. Says, I know that my brother rise again. And then Jesus Christ said something that's wonderful, that's our message as we think of it. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I'd like to ask you something. Can a sinner dead when his body's gone to the grave and he is absent from his body and in Hades, does he have the opportunity to believe? 
Certainly not. The Lord isn't primarily talking about there the resurrection of the body. He's talking about a resurrection you, you enjoy right here. Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 6.13. He said, Submit yourselves unto God, for you are alive from the dead. That's not religion. He had religion. And he took all his religion one day and he put it on the junk heap. Then he said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. So he says, I am the resurrection of life. He that believeth on me, though he were dead. He's talking about people, right? Some of you perhaps in this auditorium. People all over the world today. Dead. Dead in trespass and sin. Now he says, if you believe, you'll have life. Christ said, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God. They that hear and believe shall live. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth him that sent me hath everlasting life, shall not come into condemnation, but is passed out of death and life. There's a sense in which the whole Bible is told in one verse, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. How many have ever earned our wages? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The wages is death, spiritual death, physical death, eternal death, called the second death. But the free gift of God is eternal life, just as free as you get that sunshine in the air out there. Anywhere, anytime, without getting religion, without joining a church, but acknowledging yourself to be the hell-deserving lost sinner for whom Christ died the very moment you received the Lord Jesus Christ. Just that moment you'll pass out of death into life and you'll never come into judgment. Because Jesus Christ said so with two words, verily, verily, he puts it there so you'll really believe it. Well, he said, now that you may, I may prove to you that I'm the resurrection of the dead, I'm going to raise your brother right now. And they said, oh, no, he's been dead four days, and by this time his body's gone to corruption. You can't raise him. He said, didn't I tell you if you'd believe, you'd see something? So he went over to the grave. And he said, roll away the stone. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out with all his grave clothes on. He said, loose him and let him go. Now, I want you to see the hellishness of the human heart. A few people that saw it believed, and they received Christ. But the great majority of them, they said, now, because some of these are people are believing because they saw this resurrection, we ought to kill Lazarus as well as Jesus. So they tried to kill them both because God, Christ had raised Lazarus from the dead. Oh, the hellishness of the human heart. We can see those people at Athens. Some mocked. Some procrastinated, some believed. Those that believed were very few. I was in evangelistic work for years down south with the presbytery where I was ordained. And uh, in many meetings, I preached the gospel. Some people get angry, get up and walk out. Sometimes that's a wonderful sign. Mr. Ham told me, that some of the greatest conversions ever under his ministry were by people that got very mad before they repented and were saved. 
I never get worried if people get mad, if the Word of God makes them mad. Your dealings is with God. You have dealings with Him. But some of them would mock. Some of them would say, this is a good argument. I've seen them perspiring under conviction and try to get them to surrender then. They put it off. They put it off. If the devil can get you to postpone it, and he's the author of death, and then he takes you in the meantime, it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. The Lord Jesus is going to be revealed to his holy angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, Lazarus, come forth. He came. Now someone has truly said, if he had not said Lazarus, everybody in the grave would have come out. That's exactly what's going to happen. You can go way back to the book of Daniel. Go back to the book of Job. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, every book in the Bible that speaks of it at all. And you'll find there's going to be a resurrection of the dead. Jesus Christ said, marvel not at this. The hour is coming when all that are in the grave shall hear my voice. They shall come forth. Uh, those that have done good under the resurrection of life. Those that have done evil under the resurrection of judgment. My friend, there's a resurrection ahead for you. And if you do not pass out of death into life through faith in a crucified and resurrected and ascended Christ, before you leave this body, you're not going to be present at the resurrection of the just or the resurrection of the, those that are saved. You're going to be present at the resurrection of the judgment. Jesus Christ went to the cross and said, Now is the judgment of this world. You know, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus had been dead four days, and with God four days, this means 4,000 years. Because one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and it had been 4,000 years, time that a sin entered the world by Adam until Christ raised Lazarus from the dead. And there's been nearly 2,000 years since that time. And the only thing between eternal hell and the great majority of the people in Cook County is one little thing, and that's death. Their lives are hanging by a thread that may snap any moment and hurl their souls into eternity. God hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, and he hath given him uh, assurance in raising him from the dead. And Christ said in the fifth chapter of John, the 22nd verse, the Father will not judge any man. He's committed all judgment unto me. And we see him as a judge. He has white hair like wool. He has his long judicial coat on. His feet are shod with brass. Brass mentioned only four times in the Bible. The brazen altar, the brazen serpent, and the brazen feet here, and the brazen feet again. Always speaks of divine wrath and judgment. When Christ has on his feet brass, He's ready for judgment. He has a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance is more than the noonday sun, and his eyes look like flaming fire. That's the judge you're going to meet. I'll be something besides lowly Jesus, meek and mild. When we see all this religious program today, and all two-thirds of it by people that are on the way to hell, just like they do at Christmas time, you say, oh, how your hearts go out in sympathy of these poor people. God deliver us from the religious veneer of a so-called Christian civilization. Get rid of all of it. 
Get underneath the church membership and examine your heart. Is Jesus Christ in you the hope of glory? Are you saved? You're either a dead sinner or a living saint. And you can become a living saint in just the shorter time that a uh, shorter time as I did or anyone else. You know, God can't do anything but save you if you'll meet the conditions, and the conditions are believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I say very little about joining this church. I don't mention it twice a year. We're always glad to have people come in of like precious faith. But think of the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people who've been swept into church as church members who've never been saved. You're either saved or you're not saved. You know. Let's bow our heads in prayer.